Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as, or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about my body and so what's good 365 is my name is Britt Daniels your fit life coach yogi and entrepreneur your co-host of the black health 365 and as y'all know it's our mission to be champions of truth and change by providing y'all with personalized healthcare information and resources from trusted professionals we are here to empower the black community to make healthier choices all year long and I'm joined by my beautiful co-hosts Greetings and salutations, 365ers, Jackie Page, radio personality, and we'll just say fitness guru. Um, doing good today. Britt, how are you doing? Um, I'm moving in peace and maintaining. That's my script. So uh, a lot of stuff happening in my life. Um, I'm trying to walk in abundance and just accept things that they are, listen to people who are smarter than me and, and tighten up. Everything good. How about you? And I'm- I'm good. No complaints this way. I'm really excited about today's episode. We have uh, Dr. Ruth Arumala joining today. Uh, Dr. Ruth is a board certified gynecologist, fellowship trained reproductive surgeon, and fellowship trained cosmetic surgeon who provides a holistic approach to women's health and beauty. Dr. Ruth, how are you doing today? I am doing well. I am grateful. We're grateful to be here. Yeah. That's actually something I feel like I need to start adding into my vocabulary when I talk about like how I'm doing is being grateful. I, I don't think that's something that I I add in the vocabulary. I'm like, oh, I'm well, I'm good, I'm all right. But I think grateful is something that I, I want to start throwing in there. So I like that you said that. It's new for me because I wake up and I look around and I, and I know where I came from. So that's probably why I'm grateful. Like every second of every day, I know I know where I came from. This is too close in the distance past for me not to know. <laughs> that's such a great, I love that for so many reasons. That's something I've been reflecting on a lot recently myself. Um, and honestly, let's, let's get into this early. I think that's a good transition into our, our Dharma talk, if that's okay, Jackie. Um, so uh, Dr. Ruth, we do these things here on the Black Health 365, 365 called Dharma Talks, which are essentially a small, short sermon to set the tone for the conversation. Um, and just going off of what you said, today's Dharma Talk is really gratitude and giving yourself grace. Um, and that looks like many different things, accepting your imperfections, being compassionate towards yourself and the people around you, avoiding comparison, practicing mindfulness, and embracing patience. Um, it's seems simple, 
But these mindsets are reminders that we constantly need to tune in with and have people around us that are helping cultivate those emotions and space. And so I'm really happy that you're in a space where you're feeling that that emotion of gratitude and giving yourself grace from where you came. And I'm, I'm so excited to hear about your journey. Yeah, I mean, the type of journey that I had, if you compared yourself to everybody else, it'll be the killer for your goals, right? I mean, my whole 20s, most of my 30s were dedicated to living a life that most people wouldn't live because it's school after school after school. And you're always submissive to somebody, right? You have a boss, you have supervisors on many, many levels. And so when you compare yourself to your peers who are working, right? And, you know, maybe you want to go to the club. Let's say that. Maybe you can't pop bottles. Maybe you just have to be around gem pop, right? So you can't really compare yourself to everybody else. So I love that you said that. Beautiful Dharma talk, beautiful way to tie all of this in. Dr. Ruth, I feel like this is going to be a great conversation. 365ers, we are talking about, and this is a very special topic um, because it's one I don't think a lot of people talk about at all, um, especially us women, and it affects a lot of women. Um, so it's something that I felt, and, and Britt as well, we kind of had a conversation. He was like, yeah, okay, we can talk about it. You know, maybe a little, but as a man who, you know, is out here looking to find his special person, um, we did think it was important um, to bring you on to talk about um, female sexual dysfunction. It's something, like I said, a lot of women deal with. It's something that we go through um, and it's time for us to address it and talk about it so that we can live, you know, a better, a better life, a, a happier life. So really excited to talk to you um, about that today. But before we get there, um, Britt, have you, I, I was reading an article and, and, and doctor, I need to get your two cents on this. I was reading an article recently about vitamin C uh, and taking too much vitamin C. So pretty much the article was in, I think, the HuffPost. Um, this TikToker went to social media and she was uh, explaining that she was taking have a, a lot more vitamin C than what she should have been taking. Um, and she ended up getting kidney stones as a result from taking too much vitamin C. So she was under the impression that if she took the vitamin C, that would help her immune system. She was also battling cancer. Well, it really didn't do that. It actually ended up like doing the complete opposite. Britt, what, what are your thoughts on this? Taking like too much vitamin C? Just at a grand scale, one being a trainer, one someone who has uh, dabbled in a lot of different types of supplements to um, address my health and different training programs I've been on. It's interesting to me on outside looking in at how all these supplement companies promote health things, right? To the point that it becomes extreme. Um, to my knowledge, yeah, vitamin C, too much of anything obviously is terrible for you. Vitamin C is one, hey, most vitamins, you know, potassium can actually kill you. Too much potassium will literally kill you. Uh, so it's, it's just concerning, right? When all these, these, these companies do these big marketing pushes and it gets to the wrong people in the wrong hands and, and now we have these issues, which is why I think uh, more um, uh, sophisticated conversations are needed to be held <laughs> about these types of topics. And so, Doctor, I'm glad you're on here to maybe give some insight just from your medical profession. So I'm glad you brought up uh, supplement companies because they're not regulated. So you kind of go haywire with supplements. But in general, we don't really look to vitamin C as something that 
can cause an overdose because what really causes overdoses are vitamin A, D, E, and K because those are stored in your fats. Vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin, and so it tends to be excreted by the kidneys. So when you start to get like over, it's usually about 200 milligrams a day. That is actually can be toxic, but usually what we see is like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, things that happen in the GI system. But because it's excreted by urine, you can have urinary problems. So I think you mentioned earlier that this lady had kidney stones. It was most likely because she's having de decreased filtration rate because she's overdosed with vitamin C. Now, I think that whenever you decide to go on the supplements, you have to know what the supplement does, what are the safe values or safe daily intake, which is the simplest way to look at it, and whether and how it gets excreted, right? And those are actually Googleable. Like you could just Google, how does it get, does it get excreted by urine? Does it get excreted by feces? Because if it gets excreted by urine and you already have a kidney problem, perhaps, that's not something you should do and you should discuss with your doctor. So, and I also want to put two other plugs in about vitamin C. Vitamin C is very, very useful on the skin. Being my cosmetic surgery part, uh, very, very good on your skin. It helps, it's an antioxidant and that's what it's supposed to do in your body is to walk around and eat up things that can cause issues. Um, but on your skin, you can't actually use vitamin C with other abrasive um, topicals like tretinoin at the same time because it can cause you to have sun sensitivity and cause you to have other issues. And the second thing is please tell your doctor what you're taking. Even if it's vitamin E, multivitamin, whatever you're taking, because sometimes, especially if you're going for surgery, some of these supplements actually cause you to have increased blood flow, for instance. And so when we're doing surgery, we might not want to have increased blood flow. So we can take you off of it at an appropriate time so that you don't have any complications. That is something really good to note because I'm going to be completely transparent right now. Whenever I go to the doctor and they're like, oh, do you take any medication or supplements? I don't even think to write down a multivitamin. I'm just like, oh, that's so basic. Like, why would I write that down? But that's actually something really good to know. I, I, that's something I never thought about doing ever. Yeah, I mean, we take everybody off of vitamins right before surgery, especially the type of surgery I do, because I don't want you to bleed. You can get back on it later. Well, 365ers, that, that's something to take note down, to take a note on. I was like you said that, Jack. I think it, I don't think any of my doctors point my doctors have ever asked me, are you taking any type of supplements? And you know, this industry with all these supplements, maybe creatine. I think my doctor has asked me if I'm taking creatine, but that's 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 about it. I've never gotten that. I've always like, you know, just on like the intake form, it's just like, you know, any medications or supplements. But I never think to write down because I do take the multivitamin and I do take vitamin D, but I never think to write those down because I'm just like, those are so basic. Like, why would I? And even with your, you know, to your point, like creatine, I take that as well. That's something I would have never thought to, to jot down. Dr. Ruth, should I, now I know I should be writing down now multivitamin and vitamin D, but should I be writing down creatine as well? Yes, you should be because, well, first of all, a doctor will probably ask you based on your physique. So 
a lot of the times we're asking specific things. Like if you're muscular, we kind of know what you do for a living. We're going to ask you more specific things. There you go. And then, um, you know, vitamin D is great. One of the great ones to, to add because we should all be taking vitamin D supplements as black people um, that live in a Western world. We don't get enough sun sun uh, exposure. Neither do we want sun damage. So we, we actually screen it when we go out. So we need to be taking this supplement. However, like I said, it's a fat-soluble vitamin and decreased vitamin D is at, you are at risk for a lot of things. And in my world, fibroids, right? So we want to know if you're taking a supplement, should we, we'll, we will still get the level that and decide if you should be taking a more effective, more potent supplement. There it is. Well, taking this conversation to a grander level, we take these supplements a lot of times to address sometimes dysfunctions or optimize things. And, and today that's what the conversation about sexual dysfunction. Um, as a man, you know, we're talking about female sexual dysfunction. As a man, I'm going to say I'm, I'm, I'm entering this conversation humbly to learn a lot. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's hop into it. So interestingly enough, I think all men should hear about reproductive health issues for several reasons. Number one is if you have a partner, it's very difficult for you to um, even empathize sympathize if you have no idea what they're going through. In fact, every single patient, I made this new rule that every patient that I take care of um, that has a gynecologic issue, I make a separate appointment with their partner, male, female, you know, non-binary. And it's, I, I, I am a cash pay only doc. So I do it complimentary because that is one of the most important parts of the journey. There's a lot of times partners have a lot of questions and sometimes not just questions, but concerns that they don't, they don't feel comfortable bringing to their spouse or their partner because they don't want to make them feel rejected, hurt, or um, just don't want them to lose hope. But there are a lot of questions when it comes, like if you have sexual dysfunction, whether it be male or female based is a couple's thing. You almost don't have, I mean, there are people that have individualized aversions to sex, but it's usually a couple's issue. So whether it's male or female. So if you are, let's say you not, let's use a heterosexual monogamous relationships, which is not the, the norm for a lot of people, but let's use that. Okay, if you have one partner who has a um, sexual dysfunction such as a pain disorder, well, the other partner is not going to have a fulfilled sexual encounter with this person, this particular person. So that also now becomes their issue if they are monogamous. Does that make sense? So if you can't have sex with your partner because she's in pain every day, well, you're not having sex. Oh, you're not having sex at the level or with the interaction that you would desire, right? And so it becomes your issue by default. Taking a step back, doctor, what exactly is female sexual dysfunction? Um, can we get some clarity on exactly what that is and what it looks like? This is a McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Very, very necessary conversation because nobody talks about it. So I'll just start there. But female sexual dysfunction or any kind of sexual dysfunction is ba- it's a clinical diagnosis So there are certain things that have to exist for that to happen. First of all, it has to be persistent. So it's something that's not a one-off. It's something that you experience over and over. And it's persistent. It's pervasive. It affects your life. So it's giving you some level of distress. And it's recurrent. In medicine, we use the word recurrent when it's happening over three months or more. Okay? They don't usually have that term in the definition, but that's kind of what we use when we deal with patients. And so it is some reason, for some reason, you don't have a fulfilled sexual um, life or your sexual health is poor or fair uh, based on something. And it's pervasive, it's recurrent, and it causes you distress. I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking, and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, these factors can increase your risk of COVID-19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Hmm, what does that, what does that look like for like a, a woman who's experiencing that? So you're saying like pain, is there any other things that, um, yeah, like a woman should look out for to know if she has it? Because in my head, when I think of a sexual dysfunction, the first thing that my brain goes to is like you said, pain. Is there anything else that could say like, hey, you know what? You may have a sexual dysfunction. It may just not be a situation of you experiencing pain. So there are four major categories. The first category is just arousal. Like, do you actually really desire? Let's start with desire. Do you have desire for sex? Do you have fantasies about sex? Do you, um, you've, you had, you used to enjoy your partner. Now you don't really even desire intimacy. You may participate, but you don't desire. The second category is arousal. So you have a desire. You, you actually like your partner. And that's a question I ask all the time. Like, you even like this person that you're with um, because a lot of us are with people that we don't actually like or love or whatever. But um, you like this person, but you don't tend to get have the erotic or erogenous zones that you normally have are not responding. There are physical response from head to toe whenever you get aroused. You know, all of us go straight to you know, lubrication of the vagina, but there are other things, right? You get flushing in your face, 
your breasts actually look and are bigger. Your nipples are erect. There are all these other things and you don't get that. That's an arousal disorder. The third thing is you have a, this one is actually a lot more common because a lot of people do not, I mean, 10% of women, and that's kind of the median quote, have never had an orgasm. So that is a um, hyper-orgasmic, or you're not having orgasms. And the last one is pain. And the pain can be related to a bunch of things. It could be pain just on the arousal. Like you just have pain. No, no one has ever touched you. The second, just even the thought of it can give you pain. The second is just in the initial penetration. It could, it could be, it has nothing to do with the girth, the size, the length, or anything. It could be a Q-tip and you have pain. And then there are people that have deep penetration, pain with deep penetration. Like they don't have a problem on the outside, but with deep penetration, that's usually a pelvic pathology because something is in the pelvis that's causing pain. And we think a lot about endometriosis, but things like fibroids can also cause pain. And so those are the initial, because as you rock the pelvis, it's pulling on the nerves. So you, you elicit pain as opposed to eliciting um, pleasure. And sometimes the plane and the pleasure kind of rock over. So you're not sure. Sometimes you have pain. Sometimes you have pleasure. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. But it's kind of a very interesting thing because there's a lot of pathways that intertwine when you talk about sexual dysfunction. But in general, it's some kind of imbalance in the excite, uh, excitation and inhibition pathways when it comes to sex. There's some off. Something is off. So when you say pain, um, and I know you said like, you know, the, the two can intertwine pain and pleasure. Um, but for like certain women, like there are certain positions that are better than others. Is it ev ev the entire experience is a painful experience? Is it like certain positions um, to, I guess, kind of help women figure out like, oh, maybe it's just this is not the best position for me or no, there is actually a, actually a dysfunction going on and you need to get that checked out. I recommend that if you have any kind of distress to get it checked out because you could be, it could be the early sign of something going on or the first sign or the sign that you actually paid attention to. So a lot of the times you have something going on with you and you don't pay attention to it, but something that means a lot to you, like wanting to have a fulfilling sexual experience with your partner might be the trigger that you really need. Maybe you have been having sex for 10 years and you did unprotected sex for 10 years, you never got pregnant. Might not really bring distress to you if that was ages 20 to 30, right? You might not care. But if you are having pain with somebody that you really want to at 30, that might be the first sign and you had endometriosis this whole time, right? So my point is, if you have anything that's causing you distress, if you are have such low libido or interest, if you have you want you used to have uh, orgasms, now you want to have orgasms, or you've never had an orgasm before, and now it's bringing you distress because your partner is like, how can we make this happen? I'm not a great lover. Maybe it's an ego thing for him, and really it's you because you never had you don't even know what it feels like. Those are the times that you should seek help, and there are many entry points to help many entry points. I mean, I usually tell people if you have a therapist, that's a good place to start, right? That's a good place to start because it's really interesting. Vo both ways work. Anxiety and depression is intimately linked with sexual dysfunction. 
right? 50 to 70% of people that have anxiety and depression, or actually it's not really 50% of people, is that if you have depression, anxiety, you have 50 to 70% increased risk of having sexual dysfunction. And those that have sexual dysfunction have like a 200%. Because I mean, if you're not having a sexually fulfilling life and it's causing you distress, it makes sense that you would be depressed or anxious about it. Anxious, like, oh my goodness, this person is really going to want to have sex today and I really cannot do this again, right? That causes a lot of anxiety. And a lot of times it causes issues with relationships both ways. Maybe the relationship had an issue, so now you don't want to have sex. Or maybe the sex is the issue and now it causes problems or you purposefully cause a problem so that you don't have to deal with the issue, right? Sometimes people come in, you know, as soon as they start to feel sexy time is coming around, they like throw a fit or why didn't you wash the dishes? Or, you know, why didn't you take the trash out? I've been telling you about this. And they cause a fight purposefully so that there's no, like that is dead, right? So it's a very interesting pathway, but you know, you can start to uncover what's going on if you delve deep enough. I had several questions, but as you were speaking, you began to answer a lot of them Um, The top one being, how do doctors, what is the process of doctors confirming this diagnosis based on symptoms? And what you have expressed is that it seems to be different levels of symptoms with different causes. One can be social. I don't actually like this person. I don't want to have sex with them. I'm not getting aroused. One, like you said, I am actually in love with this person. Physically, I'm not getting aroused. What's going on? And that can have obviously many factors. And then the pain component which can have many factors as well. Um, It's interesting. I know women, um, especially I'm a yogi and I'm in a healing space. I know some women who abstain from sex um, and seem very much at peace with it, at least the way they've expressed to me in conversation, very much at peace to me. Would I argue those women are sexually dysfunctional because they have spiritually decided to to abstain? It's not causing them distress. That's part of the definition. So it's not causing them distress. However, you brought up a really good point. A really, really good point. So I am, uh, my ethnicity, I am Nigerian. And Nigerian um, culture is very much a traditional culture um, in theory. Uh, (laughs) But it's very much about, you know, they do shame women for having um, um, sexual encounters prior to prior to marriage. And it's actually a lot better in America, Nigerian community in America. In in Nigeria, I mean, some communities still practice female genital. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
mutilation, very rare in Nigeria, but all over Africa, it's, it's actually quite common. And as you go into the Arabic countries, very common. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the times people are told no sex, no sex. And then all of a sudden it's like, where's your husband and why haven't you had 15 kids by now, right? And so you can't be 35 and have heard no sex, no sex. And perhaps you stay in a Muslim or a Christian um, relationship where you abstain for sex and you are a virgin. And then you get into this relationship and you're supposed to be like popping it on a handstand, twerking on his it just doesn't work that way. And a lot of the times, maybe your part or some of the times your partner could have been more experienced than you and expect the same kind of experience they've had in the past. That caused a lot of distress. Um, a, a lot of a lot of the times causes actually pelvic dysfunction because a lot of the subconsciously they're still hold, they're still tight in holding on, you know, holding on for dear life. Like, when is this going to be over type of deal? Close their eyes real tight and wait for it to be over. And so, you know, uh, understanding partner is actually the first place to begin, right? And um, also the, the religions and the churches talking about sex because you can't be like, go be fruitful and multiply, but you never really talked about how to, get there. I mean, there's, unless you're doing IVF, there's, there's ways. So that's kind of like, you know, you're talking about abs abstinence, you know, it's preached a lot and it can cause a lot of distress. That doesn't mean that anybody needs to change their values or their, your, their decision, but it's a way to understand why am I in this predicament? Why am I now married, have the life that I wanted, but I'm not able to even engage on a, what seems to be an animalistic basic level. I think that's what makes this dysfunction so isolating is because you think to yourself, I am supposed to do this. It is people, I mean, animals with a quarter of a brain cell know how to do this. Why can't I do this at a way that I want to? And I think with men, it's, it's interesting because it tends to, the, the um, rates increase as you get older, same with women. However, you can experience sexual dysfunction at any time in your life, at any time in your life. And with the black population, it's actually a little bit, um, it's actually a, a little bit interesting with the, in the black community because in the black American community, because we see a lot of sexual dysfunction that's tied into trauma and trauma on many levels. You know, I'll give you an example of a, a patient I saw many moons ago. And I was very young in my career. And so I had just learned, um, we don't really get a lot of training on sexual dysfunction as um, OBGYNs or as urologists. A lot of us that are interested in making the soft part, that's what I call it, the soft parts of women's health beautiful, the things that people don't prioritize, I prioritize them. And so I went to, I took some courses, I took exams, I took a lot of things to help me learn. One of, so I had just finished, I just finished my first certification. And so I'm taking care of this woman. I'm so excited to take care of her. She was in her seventies and she had had, you know, great, she had great grandkids, but she met the actual love of her life. Hey, in her seventies. 
Okay. And he was actually in his fifties. And I must say he was a very handsome young man and she was actually really good looking because black don't crap. And so this woman um, came to me and she was like, I can't explain to you how much sex I've had in my life. However, I have absolutely no desire to have sex with the love of my life. And he came and he came with me. He was in the waiting room. And that's the first time I invited a partner. And I asked him, I said, how is this? How do you feel about this? And he said, I love her. I've never loved anybody like her, but I'm ready to cheat at this point. And so, you know, I brought out my arsenal of medications and I threw one at her and I let her go. And I actually shared this patient with a friend of mine who was a primary care physician. That was her primary care doctor. She sent her to me for sexual dysfunction. And my primary care physician called, her primary care physician called me and told me that she had diagnosed her with another um, comorbidity that made her not able to take this medication. So I brought her back to my office. And for some reason, I asked her about her childhood. And she broke down. And she said to me that when she was um, between the ages of nine and 16, her stepfather used to rape her. And her first stepfather would rape her. And one time her mom walked in on it and her mom blamed her and called her the hussy. A lot of people have heard these stories, but what her, her mother one time walked in never kicked the guy out and she said she was 11 years old and her mother locked her in the um, basement for three days she didn't eat she would pee on herself she pooped on herself because she was locked and and duct taped so as a punishment and she said in her feces and in her urine her stepfather came down and participated in another act with her. And she said that since that day, whenever she would have intercourse with anybody, because to make it through that day, she was so weak and so disgusting in her look and feel, she dissociated. She took her mind somewhere else. And that allowed her to get through the process. And she's been doing it. She's now 60 years later. She's still doing that. So now she's with somebody and so she dissociates. She has PTSD. She removes her brain. So that's why she's not aroused. And that taught me a huge lesson about the history, a person's history, especially a person's childhood, whether it's physical trauma, sexual trauma, or both, it carries on into your sexual life and can get really, really heavy because this podcast went down there. <laughs> Doctor, I'm almost at a loss of words um, to even respond to such a powerful and heavy uh, testimony. And one, I got to commend you for doing this work that you're doing um, and, and the space that you hold for people to navigate these things. Uh, but that just sheds so much light around. Yeah, like you said, psychologically, people are holding on to things and traumas in the black community for years. At 70 years old, she broke down to you like that. You know, what does that say for so many different people? That's And that's the thing. There are a lot of women, like you said, who have gone through past traumas. They're holding it in because that's what we do. We're taught to just hold it in, move on, keep pressing. They haven't said anything. And they're 
at 70 years old, just now coming to the realization of like, this has literally been impacting my life and my pleasure for for most, if not all my life. From that, going back to the multiple different uh, causes of sexual dysfunction, I'm interested in the levels of treatment. And you mentioned one, um, which is, is therapy. It's, it's, it's huge. Um, but I guess going to the more physical issues where people have actual pain and everything, what are some other treatments for maybe some of those physical pains or lack of arousal? Is it hormonal treatment that needs to happen? So one of the number one things is what is your past medical history? What is going on? Do you have, if you came into me and your blood pressure is 160 over 110, well, you have hypertension. Hypertension can cause sexual dysfunction. Um, are you diabetic? A lot of people have hypertension and diabetes and are in their thirties and have no idea. And they wonder what's that black, what's that black stain on my neck that I can't get off? What is that? It's called acanthosis nigricans. You have a metabolic syndrome. You're either pre-diabetic or you're diabetic. So you might have those. So we have to treat all of that. If you have, if you are on medications, particularly antidepressants, some of them can cause sexual dysfunction. So we need to either titrate the medication or change it to one that has less of that effect. So that's the first step that we have to do all of that. If it's pain related, well, we have a pelvic pain physical therapist. They are the McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. God's gift to women. They're very rare. They're not a lot of them, but they are God's gift to women. They can use everything from electrical stimulation to teaching you how to re- uh, exercises to relax your pelvic floor. They can give you medications. I give medications that include topical anesthesia that pa- patients use prior to um, prior to intercourse. Sometimes just estrogen cream in your vagina allows you to have softness and an increased blood flow and less tonicity of the pelvic floor, right? Sometimes we also um, have patients, sometimes even psychotherapy helps pain because you deal with that. Um, with the arousal, there are, there are, you know, we can always use therapy, but then there is also pharmacologic treatments. There are three major categories. Two of them work on the level of the brain, and one of them is actually hormonal. Why is that? For women, half of our, half of our sexual excitation is mental. And the other, well, I don't know half, but some of it, a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is hormonal. So both of those have to be adjusted. So when we talk about from a mental standpoint, there's a medication called 
Okay. It was um, FDA approved in 2015. I actually know the founder. Um, she's an amazing, amazing mentor for women. And so she um, basically, this, this medication works at the level of the brain. It blocks and it helps different receptors to allow you to keep having dopamine. That's why we use the word dope. You keep having dopamine that keeps hitting to keep exciting you, okay? So that's a, a daily pill. And then there's another medication called is an actual um, injection. It's an injection that's used as needed. It should be used about 45 minutes before sexual pleasure, which is, you know, are you, are you scheduling it in? What's going on here? So basically when you go out, maybe you go out to have fun, and you're hanging out with somebody, you meet somebody, you use it, you can only use it eight times a month and you can only use it once in 24 hours. So if it flops, that's not going to happen. So a lot of people tend not to like that option because it's an on the go kind of as you need it kind of issue. And it causes a lot of nausea, um, which is not sexy at all. Um, and then the last is testosterone. Testosterone is used off-label in the United States. And it's used in many different formulations, but it, it's used to increase your um, excite, excitation. Testosterone increases sexual drive in men and women. That's why low, test, low T is a problem for men. Low T is a problem for women too. Women have our own level. It just cannot be at the level of a man's. And it does have a, a range of side effects that include acne, hair growth on your face. So it does have some side effects, but usually uh, patients are titrated to stay in a level below where it's effective without causing side effects. Dr. Ruth, two really quick questions. Um, the first one is, and I just, you know, want to make some, give some clarity to women. Um, when we talk about not being able to experience an orgasm, are we talking about a vaginal orgasm? A clitoral orgasm or both? So vaginal orgasms are rare for women to have. It's about 90% um, of women do not have vaginal. I just want to say as a man, I don't even know what y'all talking about. <laughs> okay, so that's interesting. So men, you know, I'm sure, you know, I've asked questions before, but I'm sure men have different types of orgasms, like where it's like this, oh my God, and there is like, uh-uh. But with women, there is definitely a, ugh, that's usually vaginal stimulation. I mean, many reasons why women have vaginal intercourse, or vaginal orgasms is because they also had a clitoral stimulation or a G-spot, Grafenberg spot um, stimulation. That's usually the reason why. And your G-spot is usually located on the anterior wall of the vagina, right underneath where the urethra is. And so how we teach people to find it is usually put your finger into your vagina and make a come hither sign. And that usually is where you find the G spot. Um, so we are talking, when we talk about that, usually about either, but most of the time we're really talking about clitoral. And so one of the treatments, like you said, is actually, or like you have suggested, it's actually sexual therapy especially when it's an anorgasmic, especially when people are used to masturbation and they're still not getting orgasms from masturbation. What I have found out is if you are used to have orgasms, and this is experiential, 
um, is that it's stress related. There's so much on your mind that you cannot even relax to have an orgasm. And then last question, if I am experiencing asexual dysfunction, who do I go see? Who do I talk to? Yeah, so I think that there's many entry points like I discussed earlier. You know, I think if you have pain, first thing to do is just go for a pelvic floor physical therapist. They can redirect you if they need to. Any one of these people can redirect you. So there are multiple entry points. If you already have a therapist, it's something to bring up in therapy, okay? If you're having problems with your spouse, couples therapy is actually the appropriate place to start. If you have a gynecologist that you're used to talking to, go to your gynecologist and also explain to your gynecologist, okay, I really, really need this. This is something, and if you're not comfortable, because there are going to be OBGYNs that are not comfortable with dealing with sexual dysfunction, please send me to somebody. It can actually be a urologist. There's a group of urologists that that's what they do. They specialize in sexual dysfunction. You can also look up, there is the, um, it's called ISWISH, it's I-S-S-W-S-H. I don't know why they have such a long name, but that is actually the, the umbrella which all of us that are sexual dysfunction specialists in medicine, both urologists, nurse practitioners, PAs, we're all under this umbrella and we take extra time to learn about sexual dysfunction. You can check in the directory and see if you find somebody in your area that deals with this. Um, and those are different entry points that you can start with. You can actually just call your primary care physician. You never know if they already know what to deal with. At least they can help you start, start to, because they're the quarterback of your health, right? They're the quarterback. They can deploy different things to help you. There is such a volume of information and wisdom here that I feel like we got to do this again. <laughs> With that being said, I do want to have a, a closing uh, question. Uh, Dr. Ruth, in your practice and your experience and your history, if there's something for the Black 365ers you want to leave them with, like a quick, whatever you want to say, we call it, what's your 365? What would that be? So 365ers, what I would leave you with is you are not responsible for your childhood. You are not responsible for your life thus far, but you are definitely responsible for what knowledge you heard today going forward. You have hope. There's lots of help. You do not have to just lie there and take it. There are ways for you to have a pleasurable, fulfilling sexual experience, and you should not go your whole life missing out on it. Don't be like my patients. You get a lot of patients that are in menopause who wish that they had experienced such a fulfilling life, okay? And this goes beyond sexual dysfunction. In your life, explore ways to optimize yourself. Optimize it. You're going to live this life regardless. So find the ways, seek the resources that you have available to you, whatever socioeconomic class, class you are or what you have, the available cash you have, use it to your advantage, use your resources to your advantage because you deserve the life that you dream about. 
Listen, okay, you're getting the snaps from me. If 365 if 365ers want to find you on social media, how can they do that? Well, I'm all up in things, okay? So um, my Instagram is i.am.dr.arumala. So it's my, I am Dr. Arumala, but it just has dots in between. And then I host a podcast called the Pretty in Pink Podcast. It is a podcast about all things women, because the vagina is pink. And so that is why it's named that. I don't really tell everybody that. But, but yeah, we talk about everything from fitness to finances, to fibroids, to fashion, to blending families, to spirituality, whatever affects the everyday woman. We bring on experts who make us really understand and we can take tangible things like if you want to buy a house i want you to listen to the podcast about buying a house and go out and do it not some you know all over the place we can give tangible tangible things nuggets and pearls and gems and all the things so dr roof thank you again for sitting down and talking to us and the 365ers um, this was good. This was this was a, this was good. I, I think the three sixty fivers, Britt and myself, were all taking something away from this. So thank you so very much, three sixty fivers. If you ever have anything that you want us to talk about, you already know what to do. Hit us up on Instagram at Black Health three sixty five. Again, that is Black Health three sixty five. You can find me on Instagram at Love Jackie Page, and you can find me on all platforms at ProfitFitness.life. As Doctor Luke has mentioned, it's it's your responsibility to be an advocate for your health. Peace and love. Black Health 365 is an Urban One and Reach Media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels, created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez, executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell, editing and production, Jahi Whitehead, sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.